Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Welcome to On the Job with Porak. I'm your host, Brian Marvel, president of Porak. And today with me, I have a very special guest, Bob Bonzel. He is Porak's counsel. And today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the recent Supreme Court ruling, uh, Janus versus Asme. And this is a uh, supplemental podcast to the email that we had sent out to our membership in regard to, uh, to our benefits and being able to access them. I just want to remind everybody that uh, PORAC is a federation of associations. We represent approximately 70,000-plus members via 930 associations throughout the state of California. And I thought it would be very important that we have a brief discussion on this. Obviously, um, there will be a magnitude of research and analysis from people far smarter than myself in regards to this. This will be debated for many, many, many years, as was the original decision uh, 41 years ago. And I think this is appropriate time to bring Bob in to have this conversation uh, and just to talk a little bit about uh, the ruling itself and what it means and also uh, the importance of being a member of your own respective uh, association slash union. Um, so, Bob, with the, the recent ruling, it wasn't unanimous by a long shot. Um, what are the immediate ramifications of this ruling passing, uh, I think, what, two days ago now? Right. Well, the most fundamental impact will be uh, the effect that it'll have on public sector labor unions throughout the United States. You know that there are about 25 states and territories that allow labor organizations to negotiate what's called an agency fee provision. And that's designed to make sure that everybody in the bargaining unit pays their fair share for union representation because the labor organization is negotiation, uh, negotiating good wages, good benefits, terms and conditions of employment. And of course, everybody in the unit is entitled to uh, benefit from uh, those negotiations. So uh, this decision in Janus by a slight majority of the court will essentially create a right to work uh, situation throughout the United States in public sector unions. And California was one of those some 25 states that allowed law enforcement, firefighters, teachers, and other public sector workers to negotiate agency fee provisions. Uh, in essence, the court said that those are no longer constitutional. Uh, forcing someone to pay monies to the union uh, violated their First Amendment rights. I categorically disagree with the analysis, but that's the uh, ultimate uh, conclusion of the court. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, the amount of work that goes into uh, collectively bargaining for contracts um, is, I, I can't even tell you um, the amount of hours that I spent as the nine years uh, as president of the SDPOA. Um, matter of fact, a majority of the directors on the board, they spend, um, I couldn't even tell you how many hours it takes to, to work on contracts, uh, review other contracts, um, talking to communities, being out in the communities and, and trying to explain to them how important it is uh, that the police agencies are properly funded 
and that the the pay is competitive for law enforcement officers, um, especially with this national dialogue that's going on with all the police uh, reform that's being pushed out there. Um, we're, we're seeing it now with the recruiting and retention issues that all of us are facing. And having an effective group of people bargaining with the, your respective municipality, county, or state organization is going to be even more critical now than ever before because I can tell you from my perspective, I, I don't want to lower the standards uh, for law enforcement officers. Right. right. Uh, we should actually be increasing them. But with that, the pay and benefits needs to be commiserate. Uh, with those expectations, and now this is just going to p- put a huge damper on that. Um, it's going to make it difficult, actually, for all labor organizations to keep their head above water because these are, you know, real financial impacts on the union. Should uh, uh, any public employee decide they don't want to pay their fair share? Yeah, and I and I believe that this ruling was purely ideological. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe it was uh, was founded in a way that was beneficial because. You know, the reality is that municipalities, counties, and the states, um, you know, they derive a benefit by harmony with their employees. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there's no question that most of the agencies, not all by any means, but most of the agencies can actually run their public services much better when the labor union is professional and has the time and resources to do its work to be a good partner in negotiating those wages, hours, terms, and conditions of employment. So it's, um, I think, fundamental to good labor management relations to have a, a union which is strong and can do its work because the entire labor relations system is predicated on two parties sitting down and hammering out something that works for both. Uh, if you don't have that, you have labor strife and disputes, and, and that's what the whole labor system was designed to avoid. I agree, and I and I think the first ruling, the Abood case, actually pointed some of that out. Was having that uh, harmony with the uh, with the employees, and uh, I am probably speaking for all of the uh, a lot of the labor leaders in a sense that um, you know we really were able to resolve issues at the lowest level possible. Right, and uh, by doing that, I mean how much money is saved at the uh, the state and all these levels, uh, municipality and the counties, uh, by having that being done. Right. And it's done in a way that uh, is beneficial for the department or the agency that you work for, and it's beneficial for the employee that they get some sort of resolution that they were looking for uh, that doesn't raise to the level of having to take it all the way to the top and the expenses associated with that. Right. You said one thing that I think is really uh, deserves further comment. This is not an accident. This is a design to undermine organized labor and particularly public sector labor unions. The uh, whole system of labor relations for 62 years has been based upon the idea that there's an exclusive bargaining representative. For example, in your jurisdiction, the POA, they're the only ones representing the cops. You don't have competing organizations. And two, that they have an obligation to represent everybody. And since all the employees have entitlements to the same benefits under the contract that they should pay for it. No free riders. So that was a, a fundamental concept for over 40 years with uh, at since the Bood case in, in the 1970s. The change recently occurred primarily driven by Justice Alito and it only started in 2012 with the Knox case. First Knox, then Harris, and then finally Friedrichs. 
Friedrichs was what he thought was going to be the case that overturned agency fees throughout the United States, and of course, Justice Scalia passed away. So this is the follow-up. And uh, we've been anticipating this, but not for a long time. This is a recent uh, move by certain members of the court, supported by some right-wing organizations that are trying to undermine public sector employees. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, that... I think we could have a whole other discussion on judicial activism, and right. I think this is a uh, this could be one of the keynote discussion about how a Supreme Court justice uh, took it upon himself to to lead the charge on that. Um, I would probably guess um, that the founding fathers who crafted the Constitution uh, that was not their intent that the Supreme Court justices uh, become activists in creating law. That's right. That's right. Well, one thing about this decision, I think, which is um, different for law enforcement, um, and that is every single officer that's out there on the street knows that there's a target on their back these days. There's people with cameras that are going to second guess every single thing that they do. Um, And that's just a fact of life, and it's getting worse. This decision does not change the fact that PORAC and all of its affiliates are able to um, benefit from the legal defense fund that the PORAC LDF provides to officers who are accused with some kind of misconduct or wrongdoing in the day-to-day business that they carry out to keep our communities safe. So the good thing is that every officer knows that they have this protection and the LDF uh, coverage to make sure that every single officer has the top-notch legal representation that they deserve is provided separately. It's not from the employer. It's through the organization, the labor union, um, what, 970 that are now affiliated with PORAC. And um, so these officers staying with the union and standing shoulder-to-shoulder with each other, knowing that they have this protection, is not going to be changed by this court decision. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and that was uh, you know one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on here was to to actually talk about that. Thank you for uh, for bringing that up and moving the conversation in that area in a sense that really to access the LDF plan, you have to be a member of your association and your association has to be associated with PORAC. Um, if you do not meet those two thresholds, uh, you will not get coverage through PORAX LDF. Right. And uh, I, think you up, I think you bring up a very valid point in a sense that uh, now more than ever, um, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder, um, not only here in the state of California, but nationally. Um, there is a lot of stuff that is going on, um, and we're having to play defense. Right. And um, by having one voice here in Sacramento, with all our law enforcement partners and public safety partners, um, that will only make us stronger. And I think it's vitally important that um, everybody continue to keep their membership in their respective associations. And, you know, they advocate that their associations continue to be members of PORAC so we can strengthen our legal defense fund and also our insurance and benefits program that we offer uh, to associations that are affiliated with us. So in that regard, um, we've been getting inquiries about people trying to join individually, and I can tell you that uh, that is not possible. 
And um, we're here to let you know that uh, being a member of your association makes them stronger. And your association being a member of PORAC makes us stronger to have a, a more concerted voice in here. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. I want to thank Bob uh, for joining us and giving us a little bit of brief uh, history on uh, how we got to where we are. But really, the focus of this uh, podcast today was uh, making sure that you remain a member of your respective association, support your board of directors, uh, and make sure that they're members of PORAC. And uh, we're going to stay on the job here in Sacramento and Washington, D.C., looking out for you and your benefits. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We have some future guests down the road. Have a safe day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 